Yeah, I was featured in a Nightline segment where the OkCupid okay people redid my profile. So you're, you're, I would, what do you mean they redid your profile? They just they told me how to be more accessible and be less of a castrating bitch. Well, so I could find a boyfriend. Thank God they did that because you're so charming. I <laughs> understand the urge to uh, work out dark sexual urges. Uh, what about the urge to just not have a wife and kids? That's what I'm saying. And unhappiness. <laughs> That's why I should only look at like hentai shit, which is like Japanese animation where. No women are actually being victimized. And well, they might voice feminist. it, though, you know? Yeah, yeah. Huh? They have children drawing that. They're 10 years old. <laughs> <laughs> they whip them. Uh, you know, I, Pixelate those vaginas. <laughs> <laughs> from the smallest room in New York City comes a special presentation from the New York City Crime Report. The Daily News reported Gilberto Valle's arrest October 2012. A city cop with a taste for human flesh was charged Thursday with plotting to kidnap, torture, slow cook, and eat women he tracked down through law enforcement databases. And pictured at the top of that article, we got our first look at cannibal cop Gilberto Valle posing with his blurred out wife on larger than life statues of Franklin and Eleanor Roosevelt. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And fear is where this story starts. Uh, joining me right now, uh, defense attorney Jim Polk. Hello. Of Mazzy and Polk, bending over justice and making it work for you. Also news whore, Mandy Stadmiller. Hi, how's it going? Valet was a six-year veteran of the NYPD, leading a seemingly normal life with his wife and one-year-old daughter in Forest Hills, Queens. The couple had been married less than a year, and Valet had already grown somewhat distant. They met on OK Cupid, fall of 2009. Well, let's see, OK Cupid, you know? I don't know That's if you're. That's your first warning sign uh, yeah, right there. I've yeah. ne- you know, I've never done it. Uh, if you'd ever been out on OK Cupid, Mandy Stein? I have, yeah. I was featured in a Nightline segment where the OK Cupid people redid my profile. So you're, you're, I would, what do you mean they redid your profile? They just they told me how to be more accessible and be less of a castrating bitch. Well, so I could find a boyfriend. Thank God they did that because you're so charming now. <laughs> they did that. <laughs> Whatever they did certainly worked. Yeah, it did. It I stuck. feel I feel not castrated at all. Uh, well, uh, do, do you two need me to leave? I had no idea that it was a, uh, but I just had no idea that that was uh, something they did. That's a service they offer. Well, no, it was just like a stunt for Nightline. Just you know something about online dating, and uh, but I can tell you that. Um, Okay, Cupid is. Um, I mean, it makes sense that uh, that guy was on there. Have well, you, have you been all... on there, Jim? Um, no, I never did. Okay, Cupid. I, I at a very brief and lonely moment, I, I signed up for the eHarmony thing, and I still get emails from them. But all I ever met was freaks and fads. I hear that eHarmony so. is very difficult to uh, get off of. It's like the like, yeah, once you're it was in, horrible. Yeah, like it you, was like you end up paying and paying forever. They, yeah, they don't accept stalked. your resignation. It's enough to drive you to cannibalism, really. It really is. It also makes you feel like an awful, judgmental, shallow person because they, they have this personality profile, they said, and I like filled this out. And it's, it's, it's hundreds of questions. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But it, it really realizes how judgmental and shallow we are. Like, you know, how important are looks? And it's like, kind of everything. I, I mean, let's be frank if we're going to break that. And then, you know, do you want people like this, people like this, people like this? And I really realized I'm a very disagreeable person. Well, Jim, you know, I would date you. <laughs> That's uh, true. Now, she says that uh, that when she got pregnant, 
Uh, this is uh, Kathleen, as mm-hmm. we met, you know, his wife. He said, though, you know, she was nice. He opened doors. He pulled out chairs. But she says when she got pregnant in 2010, Gil was suddenly less attentive, less polite. He'd lured his prey. He stopped. He slammed doors in her face now. Mm. Break chairs over her back. That was it. He's like, no. I'm not pulling out chairs anymore. No, he, was, he just was like distant. She recalled the, here's what he said. He said, I can't do this. He was fucking married. He said, That's I the can't do this. Uh, they married after the kid was born. He eventually relented. He told her parents that he would do the right thing by marrying her. But she said it was, quote, like he was gone. Hmm. And he detached from Kathleen. And as he did that, he spent more and more time online. Welcome to marriage, yes, as you said. I don't see the mystery here. You know, to me, it's obvious that he wasn't uh, into having a wife and kid just yet. Yeah, I mean, I just, I, you know, I understand the urge to uh, work out dark sexual urges. Uh, How about the urge to just not have a wife and kid? That's what I'm saying, and unhappiness, <laughs> and yeah, yeah, of course, exactly that. I think that that's where it starts, is that he's like, uh, he, he's clearly going into this resentfully, you know, yeah. like he says, okay, I'll do the right thing. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and when, whenever you're doing the, I think a marriage for that reason or any relationship, it's just a bad idea. Yeah. Recipe for disaster. Well, nowadays, I mean, choices. Yeah. Back it used when to we were, be, I mean, the first. In the agrarian days. Yeah. yeah. If you find somebody to say yes, you know, or yeah. you buy the woman off the other, the neighbor or whatever, you know, however it worked. But, uh. I, I'm just really interested in it because, I mean, to me, it's so clearly an addiction on his part. You're talking about uh, what he got into online. Well, Kathleen was curious about what was going on. She right. said she was concerned with how weird. She said she felt he was acting weird. Some some nights he'd stay up until 5 a.m. playing around online. My instead ex-husband of, did that too. Instead of sleeping next to the wife he didn't want. Mm-hmm. But even worse, she found out he'd been looking at bondage sites. Here's Which a, is all well and good. She says, I know S&M is popular with Fifty Shades of Grey, but this seemed different, mm-hmm. she said, of, of the kinky bestseller. I feel like she just got an introduction to, you know, the internet. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's like, uh, it's like, it's like, used to be bondage. I mean, I remember, like, I, I found a magazine of my dad's. It was like Playboy's bondage issue, and it was like light spanking. Nowadays, you could literally find anything you wanted. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is just, it is, it is a cavalcade. Yeah, it's hard not to, in fact. You know, the girl on the front page was dead, is what was the next thing that she said. And, and uh, she confronted him about the fetish, you know? She says, what's the deal with the girl on the front page? What's with the, the dead, the woman and the dead? The she, just a <laughs> Story wasn't creepy enough. We needed to bring Bill Cosby. She, uh, <laughs> she confronted him, and then after that, certain problems in the bedroom. Uh, he couldn't finish, she said, of her attempts to be intimate with her husband. He'd run off to the bathroom. Oh, I guess you have to, like, to go spank it is the implication. I would assume, yeah. Huh. We have to go threaten it. Uh, Why couldn't it, he go, just close his eyes and just imagine him. her in water, you know? With a little salt. <laughs> That's Turning what everyone else does, you know? Yeah, you just go to your fantasy place. Yeah. yeah. Well, for Gilberto, you know, apparently, you know, uh, she didn't go through that same process that you went through at OKCupid okay to not be such a ball buster <laughs> because he no longer felt <laughs> the ability to climax with his ball busting wife. Uh, and so, so she downloaded spyware. That's mm-hmm. the next step. Obviously, she wants keystroke to know capture. what the hell is going on. Is that how that works? Keystroke capture. Absolutely, it's one of the creepiest things in the world. Tell me about it. Well, yeah. I mean, you just you know you you capture every keystroke, and then you can figure out people's passwords, and you can figure out 
you know, what they're saying, and it's so easy to do. The whole history There's of There's actually, the, the internet has gotten ridiculously creepy on privacy. I recently did a seminar where you're speaking to uh, international students about our careers, and the person who spoke before me worked for Amazon. He was an algorithm guy for Amazon. They can actually track when you're on Amazon's website what you will hold your mouse over and not click on and gather data from that, mm-hmm. as well as to what you click on. And when you click on things, you enter your credit card, they get scans of your entire buying data on that credit card. It's Jim, they're watching freakish. you from inside the screen. That's basically what this guy told me. They're looking at your face. What's amazing is how little I cared. They know what your cum face looks like. You know what I do with Amazon? I call them and I tell them, I don't think I'm going to be able to make uh, rent this month, so can you refund me the $70 I spent on buying Larry Sanders? <laughs> and <laughs> then they do. Well, because it seems like I'm know, very convincing. They, in fact, sometimes they just go ahead and refund it without you asking. They know your balance. <laughs> <laughs> it's that damn spyware. She had it installed on the computer, and so she could surreptitiously, I guess, monitor his every online move. I mean, it's just her husband. Uh, and now I think that probably her dad, who was a retired cop, was a big influence on this. I'm really, sure. I'm really extrapolating a lot, but I, I, it seems impossible that he wouldn't have a lot to do with that. I don't know though. Do you really talk about your husband not finishing with your dad? Not that. I don't part, think that's. Yeah. yeah, but it's like he's been acting weird. You need to like keep he hasn't up with shot that. Shot a hot load in me in like <laughs> weeks, daddy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, First of all, he said he was in the bondage, and I mean weird shit, dead yeah. girl stuff. Whoa, that's not, honey, you better keep an eye on that. You know. She sounds like the type. No, she sounds like the type who's real close with her family. Yeah. To me, you know, she and she probably had them in her. Well, and the dead girl the thing is, is it was interesting. I, I worked at a cemetery when I was in uh, undergrad, mm. um, and that explains a lot, Jim. Yeah, thank you. Twice, that's one of my favorite jobs, and nobody bothered me at all. Um, but uh, <laughs> twice, twice we caught people masturbating. Sure. In the cemetery. Yeah. Like yeah. Maybe did they have loved ones that they were just trying to commune with? You know, I didn't follow up. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't really a time didn't, for didn't Q&A. Questions didn't come to mind. <laughs> yeah. So interesting. Like, Get out yeah. of here, you masturbator. You run him out for the broom, and that's it. I mean, I'll be frank. One of them, I'm not 100% certain he was masturbating. He just had his trousers down and his penis in his hand. He really could have hated the person whose gravy was that. I mean, he may have been pissing, <laughs> as far as I know. But yeah, the, his we, pants down? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, it wasn't, like, just undone. I mean, it was... Mm, like, like he pulled them all the way down. It like, was, well, it might have been some kind of uh, you know, Down syndrome or something. I guess. Yeah. Maybe was. I was mean, there any evidence of that? Well, you know, Pat, I wasn't really in an investigatory capacity well, at that you, time. You, you say these things, <laughs> and they and they prompt questions, and then you refuse to answer the questions. On the scale of what did they call it? They call it the depravity scale. That that um guy who was an expert in thought crimes said. I wonder on the depravity scale. Which is more depraved, cannibalism or necrophilia? Oh. That is a question that's going to keep me up at night. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I would have to say, uh, for me, I, I think necrophilia because, yeah, yeah. It's, there's no way that could contribute to your survival. I think cannibalism. Okay. Yeah, okay. Well, I think you're just being uh, argumentative. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to say that. I'm going to her- fuck your corpse, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's nothing depraved about that. I'm going to leave a good-looking corpse. <laughs> the rigor mortis. When she started looking into this uh, with the spyware, up came, quote, pictures of feet not attached to bodies. <laughs> pictures of me, she that's said. That's awesome. That's a way to make a foot fetish even creepier. She fled with her uh, daughter uh, that day. That day. Runs off with the daughter after, the after seeing thing. the pictures of the feet. Yeah. She says, I realized this was worse. I went on the website again. There was a woman hogtied, naked, with blood all over. I'd never seen anything like this. 
Wouldn't that have been great if she went on there and she just got like really into it and they just like the the cannibalism fetish brought them together? Happily ever after. Yeah. It could have. It could (laughs) have. You know what I mean? But it didn't. It's not the way it worked out. This is uh, Kathleen Mangan Mangan Valet. She's got a hyphenated name. She flew home to Nevada to be with her retired cop dad and mother, handed over her laptop to the FBI along with keys to her Forest Hills Queens apartment and permission for them to seize her older laptop. Fear. The permission is essential to this. That is, uh, that kind of move is uh, unforgivable to me. I mean, like, I understand you feel afraid. I understand you feel that, you know, but you're, to hand a computer to the FBI, that has got to be at the dad's suggestion. I would have to read. I would have to see what she saw because if 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 I just read bits and snippets and it wasn't clear, because to me from watching Thought Crimes, it was clear to me that it was you know eighty to ninety percent just kind of you know uh, fan fiction, dark fantasy, erotica. There was no intent. But if you just stumbled upon st- snippets and kind of didn't see that, I could see how. A dumb dumb, you know. Well, she didn't have the whole picture yet. And Thought Crimes, of course, the movie, uh, which is uh, the uh, HBO uh, films documentary about cannibal cop Gilberto Valet, and it uh, actually debuts now. Month, go run to the television right now, <laughs> Monday, uh, nine p.m. and and watch that movie. You're looking forward to it. I haven't I, seen it yet. I actually got to see a, a press uh, a screening of that at the Tribeca Film Festival, and it was really eye opening, very interesting, very humanizing of the cannibal cop. And I, I, uh, I got an opportunity to interview director Aaron Carr, and I'll be uh, uh, addressing questions. You know, the, the, it was an email thing. I'll have those answers. But it's very interesting uh, thought crimes, and I agree with you. Uh, she didn't have the full picture yet because the FBI hadn't dug up everything that they would eventually dig up. She had, you know, some snippets. She found the stuff that floated up to the surface immediately, she had, uh, you know, this stuff that made it look like it was beyond her wildest fears. You know, images, uh, emails, instant messages, mysterious online friends, people she didn't know. Hundreds, if not thousands of messages. And they were all centered around the same central core idea, abducting, raping, killing, cooking, and eating women. At the very top of the list was Kathleen. And even worse, some of her stupid fucking friends. So he was in her. <laughs> Still. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That was the way he expressed attraction, I guess, right? That'd be hilarious if it, like, it wasn't her friends. She was just like, ah, oh, honey, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> but the fact that it was like, that fucking bitch? <laughs> I'm well, a 10, honey. She's a 7. You know, he wanted to uh, do all these these horrible things to to her friends. You know, I, I, saw, I see this guy. This wouldn't be sexual for me. I see this as a. It is Eating? for him. No, no, no. If I could, if I could kill off Julie's friends in an awful way, I, I, I can certainly see the appeal of that. Mm-hmm. But it, it's not a sexual. It's just an outright disdain for. To me, to yeah, me, you have contempt for her friends. Right? To me, it's just normal. the next level of like Grand Theft Auto, except collaborative fan fiction. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, they they write a story together. Yeah, they wrote a story like. Uh, uh, you're talking about Gilberto and his uh, and his so-called accomplices, his little you know? buddies. But this yeah. became very much a legal matter. Uh, and yeah. uh, as as we go along, you know, we see this is like a and and, and look, I, her husband obviously uh, was a cannibal. You know, that's the only conclusion she could make is that, like, uh, that's why he didn't open doors anymore and he couldn't go to bed at a reasonable hour. He's full of human flesh. Oh, Pat. (laughs) You can't expect normal behavior out of somebody like that. All of a sudden, 
It's a quote from Kathleen. All of a sudden, I'm seeing pictures of me, pictures of our friends. Oh, my God, your husband had pictures of you and your mutual friends on his computer. Well, her, I remember her interviews when this case was going down. Because, you know, we, we, we did this on the crime report back then. Yeah, we've been and discussing this. And she is a bit of a drama queen. Well, I mean. She speaks like she's pitching a movie. Oh, really? Oh, that's yeah, disgusting Yeah, I mean, it's just, me. she, she talks to us like, I didn't know what was happening. I looked, I thought it was, it's, it's. And by the way, haven't optioned my life rights yet. So just yeah, FYI I mean, to anyone listening to this. And yeah. it's, no, it doesn't come off like she's even that smart. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, honestly, yeah. it's, it's. She wants the sympathy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I hate to say it. I mean, I, I look, it makes it sound as if you're in favor of like, you know, killing, eating, raping. Of course all that not. Stuff. Of course, not in favor of that. However, you know, I just think that like, uh. At once people, well, you know, as as it goes on, we see, you know, that's like well, you, you're. And yet, you don't mind putting rap videos that have nothing to do with the crimes admissible at trial. Well, that would be from a different program. You know? <laughs> I'm just saying. One of Valet's perv pals wrote this: If she cries out, don't show her mercy. Uh, and then the the distraught mother sobbed as she quoted Gill. Gill said, "Don't worry, we'll gag her." Mm-hmm. Um, to me, it's so cartoonish. Right. Uh, it's Gil- like a little boy planning a cannibal party. Gil, <laughs> Gil had plans. Which is the second most popular theme for kids' parties. <laughs> cannibal party. Clowns and then cannibalism. <laughs> I actually would. Followed by Toy Story. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, does anybody really ever want a clown birthday party? It seems to me that's something that's always imposed upon them. Yeah, well, cannibal, at least you know the child selected that. <laughs> He's a fucked up little kid. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. He had the idea. One would be stuffed in a suitcase and delivered for rape and murder. I'm aspiring to be a professional kidnapper, Valet messaged a cohort in February, according to the criminal complaint. Another two were going to be raped in front of each other to heighten their fears. Another was to be roasted alive, open an open fire, she said. I was supposed to be tied up by my feet, my throat slit, and they were going to watch my blood rush from my body. The suffering was for his enjoyment, and he wanted to make it last as long as possible. Uh, you know what though? I'm gonna I'm gonna defend her for a second. Honestly, this is a bit creepy. If I found out Julie was writing shit like this with me, I'm gone. Right. I, I really would be gone. Well, it's kind of. Oh yeah, up. I w- I would leave in a in a minute. Yeah, I mean that's that's it. You know, it's. it's I just it, it's, don't know. But do you think that turning it over to the FBI was warranted? If I thought it was real, I mean, you you, you know. But from I, reading this, would you have? I don't know. Yeah. See, that's what I was saying. Too. I mean, the issue is I don't I don't think we know, and it's the pictures we see. I mean, what what is the context of these pictures? Absolutely. I'd also like to know. I'd like to know were they like just a link to a website where anybody could look at these, or were these like actual downloaded photos on his picture that may have looked real? I I, I think there's a lot here that's still within every conversation. He says this is fantasy. I don't ever intend to do any of this. This is all for fun. Right. Thirty eight thousand people are on this website doing this right now. And right. yet, if I saw Julie using my name and doing this, I would I would go through this process. I, I really would. I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. I'm explaining that would be unwarranted and silly. Maybe. Uh, here's the other thing. <laughs> If you, if I so much as discovered somebody I was dating had this ridiculous fetish, that would be grounds for breaking up. It's not about breaking up; it's about going to jail. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, I, I, how anybody doesn't see the cartoonish nature of some of these things, and I'll tell you why. It's because fear, and he was arrested at his Forest Hills apartment right then. Now, <laughs> look at the direction his life has taken. He graduated from the University of Maryland. Took the police test 2005. A young NYPD police officer, a hero automatically, seemingly a good cop. That was from a previous episode. Met a girl on on OKCupid, you know, which I guess lives up to its name. That's not like (laughs) matchmadeinheaven.com. It's just, okay. Okay. You'll do.com. 
So Didn't she a comedian was, write a book called Okay Stupid about she, that as she experience? Was, uh, I don't know. She was pregnant within a year. He does the right thing, gets married, becomes a father. By all accounts, seems like a good dad. That's in spite of the fact that he wasn't into the idea. Kathleen feels like he's acting weird, consults with the hive. Next thing you know, Gilbert's in Rikers. You fucking love this guy, Pat. <laughs> I do love this guy. It's kind of disturbing. I understand this guy. I would never get into these fetishes. Uh-huh. They don't, you know, get, they don't interest me. How many mm-hmm. women are you eating today, Dixon? I, however, <laughs> however, I will say this. Uh, I, I, here's what I think about this guy. He doesn't know how to express his emotions. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. And doesn't when, have a good therapist. No, he doesn't have a good. He might now. I hope he does. But he's forced to. Um, enact these in his in his mind these violent fantasies in order to exact his revenge on his suffocating uh, and a wife who he resent he clearly resents her. Yeah, I but I mean he's a like a pussy for just fucking leave the wife and go have some you know. I don't go, like this guy. A lot of guys actually. would a lot of guys would have an affair. You know, I don't a lot of guys like, would just fuck like somebody. Him, Pat. I think you should agree with us. Well, I, I, yeah. I've seen the movie. Let me tell you something. I have too. If you see thought crimes, if you're paying attention to that movie, you you feel as if, you at least feel as if he's not a cannibal. This That's is, all I'm saying. I totally agree. I totally agree. But I think he is a bona fide fucktard because, as a, bona fide, not amateur, bona fide fucktard cop. Not as <laughs> as a, I mean, not only from everything he did, but also because. Um, the director, Aaron Carr, said he hated the movie after he saw it. Yeah. The most wildly sympathetic movie possible. Yeah. And, um, I mean, what a dipshit. Well, it wasn't the most wildly sympathetic movie possible. <laughs> I think it was an even-handed objective look at what happened, and I think that Would, it was came, he came off considerably better considering the ridiculously slanted press coverage. That's what I'm saying. Uh, that he had previously gotten. I think, if anything, it just kind of leveled it off. Let me, let me jump in here for a second, though. Mm-hmm. What, wasn't the nature of his conspiracy charge an official misconduct charge? Well, he didn't. He didn't he like access the police database to yeah, look up. Um, to separate look up issue, but yeah, people? yeah, he did. And, and from what I understand, that is very common in. Uh, in first I of all, that at the post all the time. But first of all, he post was, is different than the police. I understand. Yeah, it's a different. It's a better database or whatever. But it's you know it's the it, it's still common. And and here's the other thing about it. Uh, he definitely did that time. You know what I mean? Like, he's already done that time. He's already done a couple of years on that. I'd yeah. say time served for that. However, uh, you know, when he did that, there's no connection between the times that he did that, and this is pointed out in the film, and the time that he actually made any sort of contact. You know, it's like this, like, seven-month span. It's very difficult to one connect the, those things. One of the issues that's sort of ancillary, and I, as I said, I haven't seen the film yet, but this is this is one of the things that people are often shocked out when they venture into my, when they walk into my garden, if you will. Federal court is one of the most appallingly slanted courts in the land. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, it's appalling. It's uh, evidence admission is almost non-existent. The protections of what evidence gets admitted is the joke of it is, is whatever you can carry into the courtroom you can talk about. And in addition, one of the biggest problems is conspiracy charges are absurdly easy to make. And it's the famous, the famous case of these is always the mob, the mobster's secretary. Yeah. Or, or the mob lawyer's secretary, realistically. I, you know, the lawyer's laundering money. He employs this woman who's a secretary. This, this was a real case. Um, and, uh, you know, when he laundered the money, he mailed the check to the Cayman Islands. She signed an affidavit that she placed that check in the mail, as a lawyer's secretary does hundreds of times each day. Mm-hmm. 
and that was enough to sustain a federal conspiracy charge under RICO against her. These statutes are absurdly broad, they're absurdly overbreadth, and they're very easy to secure convictions, and usually we just look the other way on them because it's like, oh, they're just criminals. Mm -hmm. And they're usually engaged in something criminal, but a lot of people go down on things like this. One of the more famous ones um, also was an internet service provider that uh, allowed people who accessed his chat room to be incredibly private and disguise their identity. Well, they were, of course, exchanging kitty porn. Now, they could never prove that he had any knowledge of what people on it were doing. Because mm-hmm. well, that's what we all do, and it's all totally anonymous. Yeah, I mean, it's apparently. <laughs> and, um, but Is this it, like Darknet or something like that? Yeah, I don't remember what it was, but uh, okay. it, was, it was something like this. And the internet service provider, the person who established it, he went to jail too. As mm-hmm. part of the conspiracy, despite the fact that they had no link to him even knowing the users of it. That's how broad hmm. conspiracy statutes are in the federal court system. Oh, he's like he's like the guy who's who's you know running the hotel and in, in, uh, yeah. in taxi driver you know when there's like a, a an underage hooker in there with a with a guy but and he knows about it. It's even more disconnected. Oh, whatever you, you kids do in there. No, but it's it's more disconnected than that because at least that guy watches the underage hooker walk by him. Mm-hmm. And the internet doesn't. I mean, the, the mom's secretary, she signs an affidavit that she puts something in the mail. Yeah. She doesn't even know what it is. She's I unaware mean, she's he, working for a criminal enterprise. It could very well be. I mean, you know, really? and it's it's things like that. See, you always say this. You always just imply your own thoughts on this, but it's very realistic. I mean, I could explain to you about escrow financing, and you would have no idea what I'm talking about. I could be doing something completely criminal. It's like you're speaking and if you Chinese for right me, now. Right, and if you worked for me, signed an affidavit, you're in federal prison. That's how broad these laws are. You know what um, was uh, the most kind of redeeming moment in the movie for me was when uh, one of the other creepazoids wanted further information on one of the women that they were discussing and yes. wanted, wanted her address wanted her multiple name. times wouldn't he wouldn't provide it yeah. i mean he wasn't he wasn't he wasn't in it for real you know he did, was did he have it Yes, yeah, of course yeah. he had it. Yeah, he had yeah. a whole dossier on hundred on a hundred women. Yeah, he had a lot of information that he never shared with anybody. It was these people when they were fantasy football league, and you know? as, as these people ch- uh, chatted with each other, they didn't even know each other's real names. Yeah, uh, they're they're essentially talking to an avatar and, and a silly made up name like Woman Eater One Hundred One, and you know uh, t- that's you know, my AOL lady. Email address. Yeah. <laughs> and welcome to the scary world that this is. Federal RICO indictments. Totally, totally understood. Easily, totally yeah. understood. But we're, you know, to to reform the concept uh, of what his intent was, you know, re- regardless of the legal ramifications of it, and and that's what makes it so scary too. Is is that like, you know, I, will these people uh, try him again? As this case is an appeal right now, certainly knowing that that was not his intent, certainly aware of the fact that he is not a cannibal. That there's no real plot, but they say, "Well, we can say that there is one. We can win." Is that more important? Oh, actually, that was that was uh, not what I said was the most redeeming. But the, the the truly most redeeming thing was that the famous criminologist interviewed him, who's interviewed the most famous criminals. You know, okay, I I hate criminologists. Well, wasn't he a criminologist, Pat? The guy who said. Um, that uh, he was a psychologist, or a some psychologist. Sort. Oh, okay. Yeah, a so yeah, I, I was like, I think I'm using psychiatrist. I don't know, but he was someone who was yeah. legit and has interviewed Hinckley and all these people. And he was like, he hates this, all of them. <laughs> he hates all of them. And this guy who was like, oh, he's fucking harmless, you know? Yeah. Um, that was that was pretty eye opening. Right. Yeah. He said that the you know Gilberto Valle is, is harmless, and 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 uh, I think I think to make to try to make a point. 
that he was going to try to do all these things when that like he would say, here's what we're going to do. Memorial Day weekend. The time would come and go. Nobody would do anything. It's impossible. They don't even know where they live. It's ridiculous. Could they still call it conspiracy according to your Rico thing? I'm sure they could. Tragically, they could. And that's Easily. a bit of a problem. But yeah. I don't think he's going to go down on that. that would, I, I certainly think it would be outrageous. We're a little ahead of ourselves here because we're just at the point where the feds uncovered what, uh, what the prosecutor Jackson calls a heinous plot to kidnap, rape, murder, and cannibal, cannibalize women. Uh, very real women, he says. Federal agents found another document on Valet's computer. It's titled Abducting and Cooking. A blueprint. Abducting and cooking uh, Kimberly, I believe is what it was. They've left it out here. This is an early article. Mm -hmm. This is a social observation. This guy puts a lot of effort into masturbation. And say he... uh, I never wrote an entire treatise. I mean, I never go go beyond using two hands. Right. I I only just started doing that about six months ago. Well, you're getting older like one shoulder goes, you know. (laughs) You got to be ambidextrous. Ambijaxtrous. He said he uh, downloaded a chloroform recipe in hopes of using it to subdue his victims. And I think it's all pretty weird. How many of us would be totally comfortable with the FBI coming in and making a surprise inspection of everything on your computer? I've looked at um, like chloroform porn before, where like the girl <laughs> chloroform porn, <laughs> where the where the guy holds up like a you know rag to her. I mean, it's actually it's obviously not real chloroform. But I'm just thinking of, like, Are all sure, of the though? fucked up shit that I've looked at. Yeah, every, a good lawyer friend of mine represented somebody on a chloroform porn case, you'd call it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was certainly his defense. Wait, uh, did I just, am I going to be, am I, is the FBI going to be no. picking me up on my No, 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 because the problem with this guy's case <laughs> was they found, they found pictures of chloroformed women and... Uh, him, oh, like know, real shit. It depends people having sex with them. And then he, the defense Oy. was that this is all just pornography down until one of the women came forward. Oh, God. And said, no, it's, it's, see, not. that's why I shouldn't, that's why I should only look at like hentai shit, which is like Japanese animation where no women are actually being victimized. And well, they might voice feminist. it, though, you know, yeah. yeah. Huh? They have children drawing that. They're 10 years old. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> they whip them. Uh, you know, I, Pixelate those vaginas. <laughs> if, uh, <laughs> that is weird how they do that, isn't it? What? They, they pixelate vaginas. And yet the Japanese are notorious yeah. for the most disturbing, it's fucked up shit. But you just can't see a vagina while you're doing Full it. Full frontal nudity. Uh, yeah, with, a snake with riding sweet. up her ass, but her vagina is completely pixelated. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, you you know all about these things. Every website, every document, every message, every picture and video, the FBI going through. What would the profile be like? I wouldn't come out a cannibal if they did that with my shit. But I bet I'd look like an asshole. Hmm. I bet it would be enough to upset Kathleen. Yeah, I you know I it's I can, so I can imagine the, the profile. Thing they would find. Probably, it'd be like you watched the clip. Two girls masturbate together on home over six hundred times. <laughs> <laughs> What can I say? They're good. I've watched every woman masturbate with every other woman. Those I two, they're like Jordan and Pippin. Pat, Pat Dixon gets <laughs> Pat Dixon gets the gets the profile of the saddest man in America. That's the thing. I think you would have like all of these women being, you know, falling in love with you because that's adorable. I'd your devotion. Put it on my okay to one sweet little I, I, piece of Pat, porn. Pat, boy, if they ever I, take I don't that know off, Mandy I'm very well. I assure you, that's not adorable. Oh well. <laughs> Look, you, you don't know the real me. Now, uh, at <laughs> trial, okay. Now, uh, this is this is your expertise, your field. His, his wife, yes. Or her, so. Well, you. As a, as a vagina person? No, as a person in court. You did point right at Mandy when you said that. It was yeah, like, yeah. that's weird. <laughs> yeah. Okay. For the, for, the, for the people listening, I pointed in the wrong direction. Uh, 
and, and Jim forgot he was a lawyer. Uh, <laughs> first witness uh, is, is his wife, Kathleen. She blubbers her way through two hours of seemingly damning testimony. And then uh, Gilbert's lawyer, Julia Gatto, a federal public defender, but still a Mexican cat. And I was about to say, is it, wasn't, that the, wasn't that Mighty Ducks 2, the goalie was Julie the cat? <laughs> Julia Gatto, she explained, Filet had been aroused by unusual things. Like this bitch, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have gone that way. <laughs> Not on the first witness. You would have gone with an act out? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, she says, uh, but just, he's... Just, just the sort of the wink and the point, like he's been on... Uh, uh, now, uh, she said he always, he's always been aroused by unusual things and foolishly decided to talk about them online at various, uh, various fetish websites, including darkfetish.net, which, as I said, has 38,000 registered members and regulars discussing uh, suffocating women, cooking and eating them, Gatto said. Uh, and, and, you know, and by the way, something like that's going to find an outlet. Sexual desires and well, stuff. Well, does, 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 does. And he couldn't tell us why. He couldn't share it with her because when he did, the fucking FBI is involved. Do they have a vegan version of that website? <laughs> I'd also like to know is the. Celiac? <laughs> does the internet exist Dark for vegan. anything other than expressing <laughs> foolish thoughts? It's a good question. Sure. I mean, it's like, yeah, it's it's all I ever see on it. Yeah. I mean, and, and she's full of shit, is my belief, because she cried all through her testimony. And the judge had, had a lot of, like, a breaks to compose herself, right? Yep. Give her la- and so, uh, but I just the, cross-examined a woman like this. And then the Daily News says, but she grew defiant when grilled by Gatto. Like, her whole demeanor changes. Now she's not crying anymore. When the federal public defender asked why she'd resisted efforts to speak to her husband's defense team, she shot back, you represent the man who wants to kill me. I don't want to talk to you. Mm. No, you got it, honey. Uh, it's a cross-exam. Yeah. That's I was, what I always say. I, I mean, I, I know that Kathleen, uh, whatever, uh, you know, Mangan uh, Valet is not on trial here. I understand that. I understand that uh, she's nope. upset. I understand that as a spouse in this situation, she has so much to be concerned about, the safety of her daughter, the safety of herself. All this is understood, and, you know, all do, uh, you know, credit to her for, for doing what she felt she had to do. However, once you're explained that it's a fetish, it's a fantasy, it's a role-playing thing, right. he just wasn't really into you, she w- didn't want your baby, <laughs> you know, he's just channeling that into his fantasies, you know, she's sticking with the, like, he wants to kill me. Yeah, yeah. I, but I, I know a lot of women who wouldn't accept that as an answer. Well, yeah. I mean, this is almost vindictive. Mm-hmm. That's a given. I mean, you walk through the garden, you're going to get bit by snakes. I yeah. Mean, it's, 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 it's the way that, that's... But you know, yeah, I had a woman recently. Yeah, it's like, kind of like, a no shit Sherlock kind yeah, of thing with I mean, a woman like that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, oh, wait, really? She was a vindictive cunt? What? Yeah. Well, I didn't see that coming. Yeah, but here's the thing. I don't think that Gilberto Valle's wife is a vindictive cunt is the narrative that the public has. <laughs> I well, of think course that, not. I think that the, the, the narrative the public has is, oh, my God, he's a cannibal. This is terrible. He had a wife and kid. Everything was fine. And then he did this. And it's like, no, he's fucking, he had wait, some wait, weird Pat. fantasies and shit. And now, you know, it, it got way out of hand. Well, no, what I'm saying is, why would you be surprised that she did all of these maddening things when, like, you understand that. That's just, you know. Well, anyway. I'm just trying to, I'm, I'm trying to explain it in a way that, like, people will find palatable. You're trying to convert convert people to your 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 way of thinking about I'm, it. I'm trying to, like, you know, present information I think they might not have. Right, right. Yeah. I Did, just think it's interesting that the media would spin something to... Well, 
meet a narrative of their general readership. That's, well, yeah. that's what I, mean, I that's, think makes it so insane is that you actually have the guy on the you know cover of the fifth largest newspaper in the country show, calling him the cannibal cop, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. and then the reality being that it was just like really shitty Fifty Shades crowdsourced erotica. You know what I mean? I would, I would have loved to have yeah. seen the movie Fifty Shades if instead of about light bondage, it was about violent cannibalism. Fifty Shades of Barbecue. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> Fifty Ways to Cook Kimberly. Come on, yeah. Don Johnson's daughter. Step up on that one. Yeah. You know, I, I see what you mean, though. It, it, it was, uh, it's a big letdown. You know, we think like, oh, this cop is like eating. Yeah. He's killing people. That's what he, and then when you really look at it, it's like none of that is happening. But there's still, and it becomes this thing where the, the media is not even like taking it seriously. You know, I mean, how are they taking that? They're not taking that seriously. They don't actually. It's like, yeah, cannibal cop. When, when will he get a snack again? You know, like they on, make honestly, ju- if they really thought this guy was that much of a fucking crazy ass, they, there's no way they'd play it for laughs. Well, I mean, you know, mm, the post would. No, they wouldn't. Yes, they would. Not yeah, they way. would. I they, think they would be morally outraged. No, I, th- I think, yeah. Well, I, I mean, it's ju- it just comes down to you never let the facts get in the way of a good story. You exactly. Know? I mean, I. I I have an example of this the other day where I, I, you know, I wrote something and it was a little bit, it it was just, I I didn't want to mess, mess up the narrative, you know, uh, because that's all any outlet wants is they want a hero, um, a villain and, you know, one clean plot line that you can follow. They don't want... The, the messy black and white, that's for the New York Times, and that's about it. Well, you know? his, his, and, and here's the narrative now. He's going to serve a life sentence for not loving her enough. And, uh, I mean, I, I don't know that that'll happen, but, you know, it's, it's on appeal. Now, uh, Thought Crimes is the movie. It, it, uh, it's the long-awaited, much-anticipated Cannibal Cop movie, HBO documentary, directed by Aaron Carr. And, like I said, I got to see a press screening of Thought Crimes. Awesome movie. Did a, a great job of humanizing Valet, I thought, didn't Absolutely. you? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, most of my impression was built on those photos, you know, with, with the, the sharp teeth and, the you know, the, he, he does have that weird helmet head kind of, you know, hair. He's though. a cop. Yeah. He's, he's Nobody a, likes them anymore. He, uh, he's got, uh, but, and, and the, the, transcripts, the transcripts of his chats were pretty weird. Yeah. And then it's so, you know, but then when you see him, it's like, you know, all right. But I felt he was getting a raw deal. I think it uh, the film outlines the issues that are important in the story. Uh, it shows you rather than tells you. And uh, you know, what was your general impression of the movie, Amanda? Um, that I am uh, way more fucked up than I thought because I wasn't that outraged oh. <laughs> <laughs> by a lot of the shit that he wrote. You know, yeah, to me, right. it was just so clearly, you know, like I've written about before on Exo Jane. Like I used to like call like phone sex chat lines and like, and just, you know, make up characters. Like I know a lot of women who've done that actually. Mm -hmm. And like, it's all completely, it's all just made up. You know what I mean? Like there's no basis in reality. And to me, that's like exactly what this was, but he just, he kept needing to up the ante to get off more. And so I think that even though he said whatever 38 times, this is all fantasy, this is all fantasy, there was one or two times where he, he, you know, whatever, got a really big boner and didn't say this is fantasy, but said, you know. Or dinner was ready. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't no that way, interesting no though? You're saying you you're saying you think that it worked that he um because I the one thing I always see whenever I see you know criminologists mm-hmm. and I use the it's it's or or profilers or all this shit like that. I don't really believe in a lot of that science, but um, it's a defense attorney Jim Polk. Yes, that'd be me. Um, I don't really believe in a lot of sense, but one of the things they always say is is that these these serial people uh they they are maturing. They, they take it up an ante every single time. Right. And, I mean, th- that's an interesting thought because it does imply. I mean, obviously, there's really nothing legal to charge them on, in my opinion, mm-hmm. although the courts disagree, and I can see what they were thinking on. But it does seem like, by what you're saying, it does seem like he may eventually reach a point where he matures to actually taking the breaking the fourth wall. No, I don't. Here's here's the things. I, I, what, what I mean, I, I mean on the spectrum of, like, you know, like a fucking hot chick who gets free weed because she's pretty and then eventually she starts like buying a, a dime bag you know what I mean like uh, so she's doing a coke off somebody's oh, cock yeah 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 yeah, yeah. like uh, but, <laughs> but like uh, I, I guess what I'm saying is like I don't see that it would go beyond um, I don't see that it would go uh, beyond just the flirtation with the concept. But I see that there was a potential escalation of the involvement, and he was clearly, clearly incredibly addicted to uh, pornography oh, yeah, and the internet. Oh, yeah, he was on there a, a, a ridiculous number of hours. And, yeah. And, uh, and, and, and the great thing about the film is that it does bring up, you know, both sides, and kind of it, it really doesn't make a decision on it. It leaves you to to kind of figure it out, you know. To, to, and, and, and one thing that, that I want to know is that the juror was the most frightening thing in it to me. It was yeah. the, 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 the lead juror. Uh, what was, was just call like... It, the, the, yeah, she was, in, she was darkened out, you know what I mean? She uh. was in, and and uh, which I found ironic with Valet, you get such close access, you know. I mean, like they're talking to his mom. He's with his mom a lot in this movie. Mm-hmm. He's with his mom a lot. Yeah. Like, I guess because he lives with her because he's on house arrest at the time. Yeah, yeah. But anyway. And, she and, loves him. Oh, yeah, yeah. The family's, yeah, she's just, you know, completely sold. And, 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 and he seems to, like, have a genuine, like, he's with her, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which is interesting, too, because, like, you would think somebody who has all these dark fantasies about women would hate his mother. Mm-hmm. But no, he, Julie wrote this doesn't. about me. I'd send her to the FBI. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. That pissed me off enough. <laughs> so you would do it vindictively? Absolutely. Really? Yep. Yeah. Wow. Well, well, hey, man, why don't you just give her computer to the FBI and see if there's anything in there? Because she didn't write anything like this. You don't know. I do. I don't even know. You haven't checked? Do you put spyware on there? Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm a guest. Remember that. So <laughs> hearing the juror discuss uh, the rationale yeah. that they used to, con- to convict him was the most chilling moment. Mm-hmm. You know, she's like, well, we don't think that he did anything, but he seemed like he could. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the hell of a jury. Yeah. I mean, that's why they say that the most terrifying words in the English language are trial by jury. You mm-hmm. never know what the fuck you're getting and what they're making their decision on. And what's amazing about American law, they do everything they can. It's, it's a fundamental principle that you don't go into the jury room, that you do not, um, you do not inquire as to what was going on in the jury room because that is essentially sacred American law. And and when you do talk to jurors after these trials and find out what they make their decision on, it will send a chill down your spine. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Most, just it was very 1984 stupid. Orwellian it's, thought I mean, crimes. I had one well, it was called thought crimes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. and a, a aptly titled movie because that's what the exact feeling that you got is that, like, I felt that, um, well... The, I love watching the amateurs walk through with it. They, they just, you know, were... <laughs> The horrible, the horrible world I, I live in. Well, okay, here's my first question that I asked of Aaron Carr. What is the story of Gilberto Valle's criminal case? Uh, why, why is it, 
important for people to know about and uh, and why does the story resonate with you personally? She said, I read about the story like most people did online in the tabloids. I was immediately drawn to the story. It was my worst fear realized. I thought about a man, a police officer, no less, having these thoughts and I wanted to know everything. It also touched on my interest of crime on the web, and the web topics that I'd covered at Vice. Uh, I feel there's so much to discuss on the topic of the Valet case. Uh, I was really poised for someone to make a documentary about it, and there are these salacious elements, and there's a real issue of free speech and a story of a man caught in the middle with his most private fantasies exposed. That's an interesting point, because like the guy really is stuck in the middle yeah. of, of a gigantic debate, uh, and that's all he wanted to do was jerk off to some uh, girl cooking porn. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and that's yeah. all dragged out for the right. whole world to debate. He had to know that, though, that What's there was that? a chance of that being dragged out for the whole world to know. I mean, he was a police yeah, officer. Yeah, I agree. I agree. He had to know that. Yeah, and I, I think there was probably an element of it that was appealing to him. Sure, I it's I like Elliot Spitzer imposter complex I, bullshit. I, I completely disagree. I mean, Elliot Spitzer's out, you know, like banging four thousand dollars, eight thousand dollars whores or whatever, you know, and he's the governor. This guy's a, a pretty anonymous guy, a cop in a dark room looking at shit on the internet. You really think you're alone with that? Yeah, but no. if you're but you're going on chat rooms where there's all sorts of anonymous people, and you're trained in investigations and stuff That's, like this. Yeah. It's not really like. It's just somebody kind of living the fantasy that you don't know how people discover this stuff. He would know. Right. Oh, I don't know. I, he, I, he, to, I think he was oblivious to that possibility. He might also have just, well, and I think he is just a very not smart man. <laughs> yeah, he seems like a college graduate to me. Jesus he passed the police exam. You know what it yeah. takes to graduate college? I did it. Uh-huh. Uh, I said, how did you view? How did your view of Valet change in the course of making the movie? She said, I started visiting Valet in prison January 2014. He had spent serious time in federal custody, and I believed he was wrongly confined, and therefore I had a high level of empathy for him. That being said, our team worked really hard to tell a nuanced and balanced story without much editorializing about how we felt. And I, uh, I don't think it's important how I feel about him. She thinks it's more important how you or the audience feel. So basically, she's saying like. Good dodge, Aaron. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just guess. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I think that's actually a very um, yeah, kind a, of sacred response. Like, she's a purist. Well, yeah, I don't want to damage her integrity as a documentary film. Oh, I, I think documentaries have a right to take an opinion on things. I've never I've never been one that blamed documentarians for, for making a point. Yeah, it was I've very important. From what I understand, I read in The Observer and some other stuff from her, she was very important to her not to make a cheerleading piece for one certain guy. And I think yeah. it's, it, ultimately it's more powerful that way because don't you think people distrust that kind of thing? It's a breath of fresh air because, I mean, you immediately just – Think of you know Amy Poehler, Amy Poehler uh, portraying Nancy Grace on SNL, and just like it's all a big joke. The yeah, way most journalism or, is. Yeah, or know? Michael Moore, you know, like it's a complete propaganda. Yeah, you know? Right, Everybody right, knows right, that. right. And this is uh, this is more important than that. So yeah, I, I will. We, I'll we, give her kudos on that. However, this is not part of the film. You know, this is just an interview. So I thought I. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was interesting to see how it, if if it changed at all. I, I'm sure that like over spending two years with the guy, she mm-hmm. must have gotten very close. Well, yeah. I mean, I I, I think that um, yeah. I think she's just uh, she made that decision early on. Like, um, uh, what the fuck? Who wrote The Sopranos to not reveal if Tony lived or died? And then <laughs> David he, Chase. David Chase. And then he got too close with a Vox reporter. Got a little drunk and kind of spilled. What oh, happened? really? I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, you what what happened? Did he die? Let's just, just it. hold that. Yeah. Although Valet was accused in a criminal complaint of discussing plans to kidnap, rape, torture, kill, cook, and eat body parts of a number of women, 
Uh, the press understandably hammered the nickname Cannibal Cop, effectively keeping the bizarre fetish at the forefront of the story in order to sell papers. So how do you think the focus on cannibalism affected uh, discussion of the more important question of whether or not he was actually, what he was doing was, was unlawful? Uh, Aaron says the press definitely hurt Mr. Valet in the beginning. It was very difficult to have people look into the more nuanced aspects of the case when all they've heard was about the cannibal cop's plan to stalk and eat women. Numerous people have come up to me asking, why would I do a whole film on him? Hmm. That his fantasies are sick and he belongs in jail. And that's such a terrible ramification of the initial press. Well, it's too bad. See, it's still the imp- that's why I was talking about, you know, the stuff from before. It's like, you know, just to create a new perspective. There's, right, right. He, he is a human guy, kind of situation that he hated. Uh, that's my read. He's not, he doesn't even say that. But I mean, mm-hmm. like, just to, to read it, you know, from a distance, that's how it looks. You know, maybe maybe look at the at the more important issue rather than like you know what's you know was he going to have it with syrup or whatever you know mm-hmm. what I mean like the recipes and shit. Uh, in the Observer, it's revealed that Valet didn't like thought crimes, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now she Total was mess. quoted. Uh, Aaron Seriously. says, uh, "I think uh, he was remarkably upset." In my opinion, uh, the film humanized him. Uh, and I asked her if she had any, you know. Mm-hmm. If, if, if he voiced any particular complaints, she says, I'm, I'm upset that Mr. Valet didn't like it. I think he wanted a one-size-fits-all 90-minute documentary about how wronged he was by the criminal justice system. Well, that's definitely a part of the story. That isn't the whole story. I really hope that Mr. Valet would see that the film humanizes him, but I totally understand it would be a hard film for him to watch. Hmm. I guess it would, because, you know, it does, like, drag some of those chats out there, you know. And- well, and it's the whole question of um, that that book that I talk about all the time by uh, the New Yorker's Janet Malcolm, the journalist and the murderer about how the primary deception of journalism is that when you're being interviewed, it's such a narcissistic ego trip high that you have this fantasy that, uh, you know, the hours and hours of spin you're laying down on the reporter is what's going to be the final product. You weren't thinking that it's going to be really actually more like a daily show segment where they're going to chop, chop, chop and, you know, (laughs) Well, it's, yeah. why I've, it's why I never let any of my clients be interviewed. Yeah. It's why I never do. It's, yeah. Uh, well, also, they might say something like, well, the reason I shot him is this. You know I mean? They, you know, but, like, I, I see a lot of reasons not but to allow all that. of your clients are innocent, right? Yep. Yeah. So. No, but, I mean, Valet, if I represented Valet, I'd never allow him to be interviewed. Well, uh. Not on something like that. Well, yeah. I mean, I really would. I, I, I find it always causes more harm than good in a criminal case. Right. And it, but, you know, in a situation like this, uh, you know, the, the question being uh, how did the relationship, uh, you know, yeah. change it and like how much trust is, is you know, uh, and, and like you said, she, he probably expected uh, based on what he felt the relationship was with her right. um, to be like this, like, hey, oh, man, this guy is like so innocent. Right. That's going to be the title. Right. 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 <laughs> like thought crimes, question mark. <laughs> Uh, hey, this guy is so innocent, <laughs> premiering tonight on HBO. <laughs> Which, you know, I can, and I could see why if he thought like, well, she knows that and feels that, why didn't she just present that? Why that would be frustrating. And I think that it's always more powerful if, if you let people make their own decision. And I think there's there's enough on both sides to, to do that. Now, um, well, and his people loved the film. I oh, mean, yeah, 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 okay. yeah. They, yeah, she said that at the... Yeah, she said that at the uh, at the screening that I went to. I have just uh, one more question uh, that uh, is regarding the jury. I said, after you spent time interviewing members of the jury, what, if anything, did your gut tell you about their ability ability to make objective legal distinctions in the case? She said, I felt like the jury was not able 
to look past the chats, the material was just too disturbing. But at the end of the day, it was their job to look past those chats and convict uh, based on uh, beyond a reasonable doubt. And I think they failed. I think the jury was misled. And I do hope that the film highlights that issue. This is uh, Aaron Carr, the director of Thought Crimes. And and that debuts on HBO yesterday. Uh, (laughs) It's actually uh, Monday. But uh, I I hope that you've caught up with this podcast early enough to catch it. Monday at 9 p.m. And it's, uh, it's an absolutely interesting, intriguing, worth watching, and very important film. Uh, Jim Polk of Massey and Polk, criminal defense attorney. Thank you for joining me I'm today. Very happy to be here. And uh, uh, MasseyandPolk.com, right? You got Ma- it. Or is this Massey Polk, M-A-Z-Z-E-I. P-O-L-K. Dot com. And the phone it. number's on my website, crimereport.nyc. Mandy Stadmiller, news horror. Thanks so we much. We can find you at uh, Ragcast. Yeah. Go ahead, give it to me. Ragcast.com slash news horror. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, and you can always, you know, you guys know where to find me. But crimereport.nyc, thanks for listening to New York City Crime Report. Like, yeah, yeah. And then, like, some of these same arguments that have been, you know, debunked or whatever, they're presented anew. Yeah. You know, by these, there's a very, like, you know, a guy who looks like a fucking uh, TV actor kind of lawyer. You know what I mean? I don't know if he's a uh, prosecutor or something, but that's what he looks like to me. He looks like he plays you know, a, a yeah, lawyer I, on I TV. Yeah, I only watched it once, so I don't remember exactly who yeah. you Yeah, we rewatched it last night. Oh, uh, you did? Like, like uh, uh, quite a bit of it. Not all of it. It's uh, a lot of t- tapping on the fucking computer keys, too. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, and like, that was like, totally artificial. I was never on a computer. I was sitting on my couch watching TV, and they made it look like I was on a computer screen. It was like this... It's one loopy scene that they put through a whole damn movie. It was so cheesy. Yeah, the the the, yeah, the, the it's dark all around yeah. you, and it's in the 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 computer screen. Exactly. There, there was no computer involved. Your at all. Face. Yeah, there was no computer involved. I never typed on a computer with. Wait, wait, with what there. do you mean? There's no computer involved. What did you use to do your? I don't know. Chats? They, they they did some. Uh, they did some oh, crazy uh, oh, like special mean... effects stuff. There was no, I was never typing on a computer during oh, that thing. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, when you did the the stuff that you got arrested for, you were on a computer. Of course, but, yeah. With, no, but oh, yeah, but the yeah, reenactment yeah. you did not do. Right. The the way I'm portrayed in the movie is sitting on in a dark room typing on a computer. That was yeah. just so stupid. Yeah. It, it got, you know, I, there was one juror who I thought, was just she was just so like this is just weird and, and we just thought that you know and I thought that's the problem right there is that people have that some kind of a revulsion that it, it's about them it's not even about you mm-hmm. it's about them somehow it's it's about something inside them that they're like you know that's something that it, it, it's they really need to squash something you know what I mean and I don't know what that is uh, I always think it's like people just trying to kill a good time or something, you know. But like you could tell it wasn't based on the law, right? And then you add to that that this is federal court, this is the FBI, this is the U.S. attorneys, this, this isn't some local municipality. You know, these are like the heavy hitters. So sure. that right in this huge courtroom that's packed every single day. So that had to play into it too. This isn't like this is the FBI saying this stuff. This is the U.S. attorneys. Like they they're you know. They don't lie. They don't do any of that shady stuff. It's a defense. You know, I was a cop, and I had kind of that mindset, too. Like, defense lawyers were the ones who pull the shady tricks, and that was something Julia mentioned after the bail hearing. It's like, you see how they twist things and see how dishonest they are, but we're the ones who have that reputation. Yeah. So it was a completely eye-opening experience for me to, to go through that as a cop and now to be out, and I'm kind of biased toward defendants now. You know, <laughs> I have jury duty in a couple of weeks, actually. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> no way. So I'm going to go and say, yeah, I was wrongfully arrested, and uh, they, they might know who I am. They might. I'm not going to volunteer it, but uh, I, I, I was arrested. I was exonerated. And, I mean, if they ever find out who I am, the defense is going to want me for sure. Really? Oh, yeah. The defense lawyer would want me, of course. Wrongfully convicted? Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. But yeah. I can be fair, though. Not every prosecutor is dishonest. Not every defense lawyer is honest. I know there's, you know, mostly, uh, most people, I think, are, people are basically good, right? I, I think that's... Uh, that's I suppose, fair. yeah. Yeah. You know, but sometimes when they're trying to do their jobs, they get overzealous, so they, yeah. and they want to convict. And, and, like, some of the things that were done in this trial, that you were moved at one point. Right before the trial, yeah. Now, that was just, like, mind-blowing to me. That yeah. they, would, they just put you out of pocket... So you can't prepare, and now you're, you, you know, when you finally do get back, let's see, you, you, they took you first to a very small cell. You had to stand for hours and hours, the right? Whole, the entire day. And Just I, stand. There, there, was, there was a bench that was about two feet long. I couldn't lay down, so I had to lay down on the floor. And like, no like, one was filling me in. There was no window in the room. I couldn't tell what time it was. There was no clock. It was just a toilet. I mean, that was it. That's that. That's terrifying. Yeah. So after a couple hours, I had an idea what was going on that I was being fucked with here. Really? Uh, yeah. Like I, you know, they weren't ready to go to trial yet. So even even by like prison standards, this is not right. right exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and I found out later on, you know, from Julia talking to the prison staff, no one knew where the hell I was. The mm-hmm. prison staff didn't know where I was. That's that's unusual. Yeah, so that was when you finally made it back. And you were gone for, what, a, a day, right? I a was gone day, for a, a an entire day and night, and I came back. Uh, Julia asked for an emergency hearing the next morning because no one knew where the hell I was. They were looking at hot, through hospitals for me. The prison staff had no answer. Like, he, they say he's in transit, but we don't know where he is. So and they went. They thought I might have hurt myself. Or yeah. that was, you know, Julia was crying like crazy when she saw me the next morning. And we had a screen between us, so I, I wanted to give her a hug. And like calm her down for a change. Yeah, because you know, she, yeah, <laughs> she was always the one calming me down. Well, she's hysterical at that point, and uh, can't find you. And yeah. for Christ's sake, uh, you're going to trial in what two like days? Three days, yeah. or something. And then you you had been preparing. You had a lot of paperwork. Yep. You get back, your paperwork's gone. The paperwork's gone. It's not there anymore. Which is like, I can't believe that they would just like go. We're just throw this shit away in your cell. Well, it, it later on it got. What happened was. Uh, when you get transferred to another facility as a prisoner, your stuff gets, it doesn't get there with you. It's like it's shipped over at some point a few days later. Mm. So there were a few days where it went to Brooklyn, and then it got, they got to Brooklyn, and then a few days later they finally got back to So you did eventually get reunited eventually, with that paperwork. Eventually, yeah, yeah, but it, it was But it was definitely going to be lost for that fucking trial. <laughs> yeah. God damn, man. That is like, uh, and, and that had to be. They were they weren't ready to go to trial. They thought there was more to find. I mean, uh, yeah, that's that's the only uh, logical inference I can make. Even the judge, the judge has been a judge for a long time. Even he was kind of perplexed by the whole thing. He's like he'd never seen that before. Julia said in all her years, just two or three days before a trial, she's never seen a defendant moved without the lawyers knowing. I mean, the, they they didn't. No one told anyone anything. Jesus, so shady. Yeah, and when you first okay, you had a bail hearing. Let's talk about a bail hearing. You first, the first bail hearing you had. That's when you hear the words uh, abduct, yeah. rape, torture, and cannibalize a number of women who we knew in real life. This yeah. is the first time you hear what you're charged with. Yeah. Wow. In a packed courtroom, and my family's there, and I'm th- so I'm thinking all these things. I was really, I was, I knew I was innocent. Okay, so. Um, but it's still tough to listen to this stuff. And then to compound it, it's this wasn't just computer stuff. He was acting it out. He was taking steps. He was on a woman's block. He was stalking someone in uniform. He faces made a trip li- to... Faces life in prison. Yes. 
that 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 got me. That surprised the hell out of me. I I, I don't know if I could stand up after hearing that. That's 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 focus, that that's terrifying. Yeah. So they went first. The government went first, and Julia got a chance to speak, and that was the first time I got to listen to her defend me and. I didn't want to make any guarantees, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to, she gets it and I'm going to, I'm going to be all right here. Mm -hmm. Um, but still the thought of like, if something goes terribly wrong here, I can spend the rest of my life in prison for this. I'm 28 years old. How long am I going to live in? And there's no parole in the federal system. So Jesus, you're just there until you die. You exist. And people who are sentenced to life aren't in like, you know, some camp, you know, they're in a supermax. Hmm. And that's just that's it's it. It's basically solitary confinement. Um, that's yeah, time to eat some Ajax. Yeah, you know, I yeah. mean, like no, I, that you, know, you, you don't think that caught, that thought crept into my mind that when, when I was convicted anyway, but just for a second, for a split second, you actually were convicted. This is what blows my mind. Yeah, you get the now, you get that verdict back after the trial, and they come out and they say guilty of conspiracy to, to kidnap. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what's going through your just head? Just complete devastation. I mean, I was ready to go home. I was ready to, there was going to be a lot of press. I was like, what am I going to say? I'm going to make, finally, I'm going to be able to speak for the first time about all this stuff. And I didn't testify during trial. Mm-hmm. Right. Because so, yeah, so I'm thinking uh, if I can go home, I can play with Dudley. I miss my dog terribly. You know, yeah. my family, we're going to go out. We're going to celebrate. You get one foot out the door. Basically, yeah. And then they come back with guilty. And then all out, all those dreams just, they, they go away. You know, um, it was it was very bad. But one of the lawyers at my table said before a jury came out, he said, whatever happens, we're going to be OK. Um, hmm. You know, I'm, I'm not a lawyer. Like I knew there were things that were said during the closing argument that wasn't allowed. Yeah, it didn't take a, a legal expert to realize that. But still, so, it was I mean, it was so tough. And Julia held my hand under the table as they were like reading the guilty verdicts and. I wanted to like keep a strong face because my family was there. But when I went back to you know when they put the cuffs on me and I went to the back, I just freaking lost it. What else can you do? Yeah. You've just been convicted to, to a life in prison. Yeah, so I'm not for thinking nothing. I'm not th- exactly. I'm an innocent person. I'm, I'm I haven't been sentenced yet, but everyone's saying I'm going to be sentenced to life life in prison. Um, and, and it's presumably. I mean, like there's the prosecutors are. I, I mean, like, does it go through your head? Like, what? How would Kathleen feel if? And I know that you don't want it to speak for her, but yeah. I mean, like, I just, just to theoretically say it out loud, I wonder how she would feel if you had gotten convicted for life. Just from what it looked like, her mindset was like she was helping them. Like she really believed that was a like. She, I think she would have thought, "Good, I did my part to get a, a monster off the streets." Mm-hmm. You know, thank God I called when I did. Which that I thought that pissed me off too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, and you lost positive regard of somebody that you loved, you know. Sure. And and you lost completely unfairly your your daughter. Your daughter's five now, right? She's five, and I haven't seen her since she was. She has no idea who I am. Um, they haven't spoken about me. If you could go forward, you know, twelve or fifteen years, you know, yeah. right now she's twenty. What would you want to say to her? What would you want her to know? I just, uh, I wanted to know that I wasn't a criminal, that there were people who were very bad out there who tried to put me away for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And um, I understand as a woman, that as a 20-year-old woman, she would be, uh, she might be freaked out by the facts of this case and the things I wrote. I understand that. Um, but I wanted to 
get my side out there in written form. So she's going to, there's going to come a time when she's a teenager, you know, whether or not I'm in her life, a family court judge is going to decide whether or not I can be a part of her life until she's 18 years old Uh and she can make up her own mind when she's 18. But Uh either way, she's going to look into it one day on her own. And, you know, what happened to my dad? How did it play out? I didn't, I didn't want her to be left with New York post articles and, daily news articles and a stupid documentary by a dishonest con artist. Um, This is a a damn strong motivation to write a book. Yeah, so I wanted my words out there. I wanted my side of the story so she can have that to read to. You know, and and now there's a lot of graphic stuff in this book, but she would see that stuff anyway. Yeah, 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 of course. Um, Yeah, like you said from the articles. And it's written in in plain English. It's written like a guy talks. With one yeah. exception, the word perseverating, which I had to look up. That wasn't me. That was uh, that was that was Brian, the the, the co-author. I was like, well, I've never heard that word. I'm gonna have to look it up, hear him pronounce it. Yeah. Perseverating. It's a good word. It means uh, something that you're kind of going over and over after the stimulus has uh, disappeared. There you go. Yeah. yeah. That, I didn't write that word. Yeah. That, that was all him. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really roll off the tongue. Yeah. Now, I, this the you. To me, just even the like the parade of the supposed victims, right? That would already be more unnerving than most people would, would be able to endure. It was just one hit after the other. The, the first is my wife up there, who I hadn't seen in months now. She's wearing pink, which was a total joke. She never wore pink in her life, and yeah. now, now she's wearing pink. It was out. It was just you know, let's make her look more sympathetic. Here's this beautiful woman. She's wearing a pink shirt. Like oh my, like I, you know, she, what would she so normally wear? She was, I mean, regular. Uh, she liked blue. She she would wear you know blue stuff. She I mean she, she just wore she wore anything but pink. She was like uh you know she was like uh I don't want to say she was like a tomboy but. You know she was uh, she came from a family where her dad was a cop. She was like uh, she was practical. Yeah, exactly. Pragmatic. Down to earth. Mm-hmm. You know, very low maintenance. And she's all she's kind of dolled up, wardrobe. Yeah, she now she's wearing pink. I it's like just. I know. I yeah. Had a, yeah, that's the kind of thing you spot. Yeah, so she's up there first, and, you know, I'm thinking she's up there to talk about what she found and how she found it. Now they're getting into all this bullshit about what life was like in our home, stuff that just was completely portrayed incorrectly. Yeah, like the suitcase. Yeah, the suitcase. Should I talk about the suitcase? Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, in one of the fantasy fictional chats, there was supposed to be this girl who was going to be kidnapped, and I was going to stuff her in a suitcase. Um so Kathleen's up there testifying, and she's talking about this incident where I came home from work one day, and now, uh, now her version is I was pissed off and irate because she threw away a suitcase in my closet. Now the suitcase was broken. It was like whatever. What really happened was I came home from work, and she said I went through your closet and threw away that old suitcase. I was like, all right, that was kind of odd, but what? I didn't flip out at her. I was like, whatever, and it never came up again. Yeah. I mean, I I would be like, why would you do? Why clean up your own closet? Yeah, it know? was just it was an odd thing to do, but I'm it's very like she's looking for something. Yeah, so she throws away the suitcase, and mm-hmm. because I mentioned a suitcase in the chat, it was like uh, this whole <laughs> the whole idea was her throwing away the suitcase might have saved the kidnapping from you know, might have prevented the kidnapping from happening. It's like. I wasn't making enough money where I can go and buy another suitcase if I really wanted to do it. I mean, Suitcases are hard to come by. Yeah. <laughs> was it one of those old, like, Samsonite kind of, like, plastic hard shell deals? No, it was a Samsonite. It, was, uh, it, it wasn't hard. It had the wheels, and, you know, it was, it was a big suitcase, but it was broken. It was, like, the zipper was screwed up, and 
it didn't belong in my closet anymore. I just never got around to throwing it out. So she took it upon herself to go through my shit and throw it out. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah, so I was, uh, okay, that's weird, and we moved on. But Well, and, and, and as she does go through some of these different, uh, you know, little things, uh, you know, where um, I would imagine that, Oh, another thing that that that, that she mentioned, which uh, I which I thought was just uh, really you know an unacceptable thing, uh, is is that like when she went into uh, when her, when her water broke, um, and uh, you're obviously freaking out, yeah. you're trying to get her to the hospital, and she goes, "Calm down, calm down. Hey, listen, if you want to take a shower, go ahead. We got time. Take a shower, clean up. You know." That really pissed me off. That whole version. So you do. Oh my God, and then what man. does she say in court? He took a shower. Like if she said it so slow, like he took a shower, like this real. Because the question was asked, way. like what did what did what did he do when uh, you told him that your water was broken? Yeah, he he took a shower, <laughs> as if you just didn't care. Yeah, exactly. But that was the whole idea of that examination was to make me out to look like a complete deadbeat piece of garbage. So little to go on, too. I mean, like, uh, you know, the, the, the whole suitcase thing. It's, it sounds like what the FBI must have told her is, uh, look, anything that that is mentioned in these chats that you can connect to any kind of real-life thing, mm-hmm. try to make that connection, you know, even if it's just a word or whatever. And then Yeah, suitcase, I don't know. Suitcase, I right? don't know how deep she was involved communicating why with else the would FBI. Because why else would she bring up a fucking suitcase? Yeah. You know, that's not even so, an unusual thing. Exactly. Just the fact that it was mentioned in one of these stupid chats, mm. they made that, you know, they made that connection. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean... So it wasn't just, here's what I found and how I found it. It was just this, oh, it was just terrible to sit there and listen to that crap. Yeah. You know, and, and then she's crying. And when when Julia got up there and cross-examined, that's when some of the truth came out, when we talked about how we made decisions as a family, financial stuff, and, you know, she photos. was taking, she was, she used, you know, family photos, and Kathleen started crying. I started, we had to take so many recesses just because both of us were a wreck. That was kind of comical in the book and kind of sweet. It, it's it. It was almost like you guys were together again for a second. Yeah, I remember mouthing to her. I'm, she was avoiding eye contact, and finally she looked at me, and I said, "I'm so sorry." Mm-hmm. I mouthed it to her, and then she started crying again because still, I mean, think what you want, and I was I didn't commit a crime, but it was still my you love her behavior, and I did. I still love her, and my behavior caused all this whole circus to happen. Mm-hmm. Even though there was no crime here, she's up there, and we're both an emotional wreck, and it all kind of started from me. Yeah, I get it. I mean, it's it's like she's she's pulled into this thing that, that yeah. she never, a whole thing she never had anything to do with. Do you think that her dad was was a big influence on her? I don't know what her dad thought. You know, I I, I go back and forth mm. because uh, he's a man. The men seem to get this a little more. Than on the other hand, this is his daughter. It, yeah, and that, that's exactly that's the other side of the coin. Mm-hmm. And it's and he's law enforcement. Yeah, which means he's he, you know, programmed a certain way, as you know. Sure. I loved. This is my favorite part of the book. It's it's the cross examination of Agent Walsh. Yes, that by, was my favorite part of the trial by too. Robert Baum. Yeah, uh, who sounds like a great lawyer. Uh, Walsh is this inexperienced uh, FBI agent who I guess he has like six months at six the FBI. Six months on a job. Yeah. Yeah. Never had anything to do with a, with a kidnapping before or anything. I'm, I, do you mind if I read a little from the book? Go ahead. So Baum then went to the white, uh, then went to the white van and the mountain house that I had talked about so much in all the chats. This is a mountain house that doesn't exist. Yes. And a white van that doesn't exist. Right. And he asked Walsh if any of these items or any of these torture tools I described actually existed. Walsh said no. Baum then asked him, 
if I had an oven in my apartment big enough to fit a woman into? Well, that would depend on the size of the woman, Walsh said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he said, I laughed. And Baum was absolutely shaming this rookie punk. I uh-huh. loved every second of it. At times, I heard people in the courtroom laughing. The judge had a smirk on his face, too, during some of this. Yeah, it must have been just like, ah. Like I said, that was a turning point. That's when people said, aha, like this is a complete joke of a case. And the judge was smirking. The jurors were laugh, laughing. You know, it was like this big joke all of a sudden. Yeah. Yeah. Just so, how it, it just, none of this shit is happening, dude. Yeah. <laughs> and he was able to do that right there. Just like, you know, this, this, this attorney with a, a, a little bit more. They said during Waxman's questioning, uh, Walsh, uh, excuse me, Walsh mentioned uh, that there were kidnapping dates in the chats. And this supposedly demonstrated that these weren't just fictional chats uh, because we had discussed real dates to execute the kidnappings. Under cross-examination, however, Baum got out the fact that these dates would come and go and there would be no follow-up. Neither the co-conspirators, that's in quotes, nor I would ask uh, why the kidnapping ever occurred. The next time we chatted, it would just be a new story. So uh, most amazing of all, under the FBI's working theory... I had agreed, and this is in your voice, I had agreed to kidnap three different women in one day. One was going to be lured to Pakistan. One was going to be kidnapped from Manhattan, and another was going to be kidnapped from Ohio, all on February 20th, 2012. Mm -hmm. Agent Walsh was able to assert that with a straight face while there was more laughter coming from spectators. Even a couple of the jurors had smirks on their face. And every time uh, he asked him if it was anybody hurt. Thankfully, no. <laughs> <laughs> Which gets to be just a joke and a riff. That was his go-to answer. Was anyone kidnapped? Thankfully, no. Was anyone killed? Thankfully, no. And yeah. then he mocked him in the end, toward the end of the thing. He's like, let me ask you one more time. And he's like this booming voice. Was anyone ever kidnapped, killed? And he, he thankfully... And the, yeah. Waxman gets up, the prosecutor, objection, you know, don't answer the question for the witness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is where you actually have that courtroom drama. Yeah. She pops up. It's comedy and drama at the same time. Yeah. And your life is on the line. Now, that was the point where, again, it, we thought it was a game changer. We thought it was a turning point. It was also when we decided I wasn't going to testify. The case came in to be such a joke. Yeah, and, and then, you know, you figure, like, we're ahead. Let's, why fucking give them an opportunity to catch up? Exactly, and why give them a, a, the cross-examination would have been them asking me to just read all this shit all over again, and that would have, that Made part was done. Yeah, about that part, the comical shit that exactly, just happened. Yeah. that part was done. That part, I wanted to crawl into a holder. It was like three days almost of my chats and all that shit being shown on a big projector and the whole oh, yeah. media's like the families I, there. Oh, it's so embarrassing. You man. must have been crawling into everybody's head. Twelve people that you know at once, going, "What do they think? What do they think?" Oh, sure. You try and read people during the case. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I definitely had a lot of that going on. And again, we—I mean, we were wrong, but we thought we thought we had a jury with us. I don't understand how they, how everybody could have, with what you're describing right here, how everybody could have experienced this moment and then found you guilty. Well, the closing argument, I think, Randall Jackson had a big, uh, and I mean, I re- since I've been out, I've read a lot of articles from that time, and it seemed like the jurors were impressed by him. Mm-hmm. So that was basically, that, that was literally the last thing they heard, other than the judge giving the jury instructions. It was his closing argument. It's a lot of, hey, if the glove doesn't fit, you must acquit, uh, you know, but the opposite, you know, yeah. like the, and uh, these these kind of fucking this bullshit, really, you know, just bullshit style over substance and doing a bunch of shit that he's not supposed to do. Yeah. 
You're really generous with your time, Gil. Uh, I, I, I got nowhere to be. I, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, great. Yeah. Uh, well, then a, a little bit more then, because this is really where the story kind of gets interesting. Uh, through a legal sort of uh, situation, luckily, like you said, the judge, you know, when they come back, they convict you. You know, you haven't been sentenced yet, but you're presumably looking at life yeah. uh, for the for this shit. Um, and you go, well, uh, you know, how long was it between that and the judge vacating it? So I was convicted in March 2013, and I wasn't out of prison until July 1st of the following year. So that's uh, 12, 13, 14, 15, it's like 16 months Wow, where it was being decided. Now, we had like 90 days to write our brief, and the government got to respond, and we got to respond one more time. So the paperwork wasn't fully in until about August or September. And we were expecting to have something by the end of the year, but it didn't happen by the end of the year. It didn't happen until the following July, and we was getting to the point where, like, what's taking so damn long? Um, he made the right decision, thank God. So I was yeah. okay with how it played out. But it, one of the hardest things was like you wake up in prison and is this going to be the day? Is this going to be the day? There's no date where he's going to make a ruling. You know, it's kind of, there's nothing to look forward to. It's just you're in complete purgatory while you're waiting for the judge to hopefully do the right thing. Now, we honestly, we didn't think he was going to go as far as acquitting me just because that, that, there's no track record. That, that This never happens, ever. Yeah. But we were feeling pretty good about getting a new trial. Um so okay, so just, oh, the just throwing out the verdict. You were like, obviously, you couldn't have been more thrilled. You don't have to go through another trial. Yeah, of course. Wow, you thought okay, I thought that that was on the table, like that it could be dismissed. So you weren't even like fully aware that yeah, that could happen. No, no, it, it it was on the table. Like that's uh, but it just never happens. It just never. It's so rare. It just never happens. But uh, so there was that. You know, there was you should acquit him, and here's why. And then there was another motion where you should give him a new trial, and here's why. We thought the new trial was a lot more likely, but then we would have had to go through the whole thing again. Ugh. But I was okay with that because I would have... You're still innocent, for Christ's sake. Yeah. It's and, just taken you know, forever. And, 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 you know, now with a new trial, maybe maybe he gives me bail. Maybe he here's a judge who sat through the whole case. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not going to say the same thing that I was stalking on a woman's block and all this thing with this GPS evidence that was just completely fabricated. And yeah. I remember how that kind of went away over time. Reading in the story, like I thought, it, I thought he was on the block or something, and then they just that just didn't yeah, get mentioned just, anymore. They didn't even uh, mention it in trial. Uh. So uh, that's what we were looking forward to. You know, let's get a new trial, let's get bail, then we can kind of like sit back and put this off for a little while. But uh, I ask you, uh, I, I, was, I don't mean to interrupt, but the, yeah. it's a bad, it's a question I've been wondering about. If uh, you're the the you know, predilection that you have towards, you know, uh, kidnapping a woman being abducted, uh, yeah. uh, you know, kidnapped, uh, like cooked, whatever, yeah. you know, I know that you're not into like imagining like the flavor of her flesh or, or whatever. Right. Are you? Uh, no, it never no, seemed no. like that. No, it's just no. like, just, you know, that she, this is what should happen to you. Uh, or that this is what I enjoy the idea of what, you know, whatever. Yeah, that's it's, like it's the not, peak of the whole thing. Exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. So like you're, uh, to me, what that would be reflective of <laughs> since you're asking about psychology a minute uh-huh. ago, that like you have a sense of, with women uh, that like um, that that you don't have a lot of control over them or something like that. You know what I mean? That you're not not that you want to have control, but you want to be on an equal footing. Or do you feel do you feel like uh, unequal with women or something like that? That's no, what not, I would imagine. Not really. It's just uh, again, there's just, like people try and analyze 
why I'm into the things I'm into. It just it, it just <laughs> it, it just happens. It's just like that's what that's how those images the are chemistry exciting. in my brain works. So it's it's more about the images and not what they represent. Yeah, it's just the the picture of a chick tied up, you know. But uh, as far as like me being in complete control, I mean, there's really none of that. I mean, I had friends. My, I never had problems making friends with women, you know. No, no, yeah, and and, and that's that's to, to make it sound like something that's that's not what I intended. I yeah, mean, and, just and as like a, a as like a sexual thing, I have to have control. If yeah. I, I was like, I I just I don't enjoy sex if I don't have control. I can't. I, I and, and so like. Um, I mean, these days for uh, me, things that kind yeah. of symbolize that, you know, kind of do it for me, you know, or or like even like a like a voyeur kind of a thing, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like if I'm looking at some chick. And she kind of like it. There's some vague notion like whether she knows she's being looked at or not, you know. And uh, like I would never go and look at uh, some, in somebody's fucking window or something like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? But still, you know, to look at, uh, you know, that's that's exciting. So like I don't know. I don't. And I'm trying to think of my own psychology. What does that mean about me? It must mean something. Like I don't want to be noticed by them. I want to notice. I don't know. Like the look. Maybe I just like their pussies. I don't know. <laughs> it's like that's what you see. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I, I guess I was just trying to like psychological, be psychological about it. But like, when you date women now, do you, is there anybody special? No one. Uh, I'm single. Um, I've hooked up with a few women. Again, people reach out on social media, mm-hmm. and it's pretty clear that they want to meet up and they're turned on. Now I have to be careful, of course, because I'm always careful about, God forbid, some kind of false accusation. So like, I mm. talk for weeks and months, and you know. Um, with one girl, we even talked about doing this contract. You know, they have these like BDSM contracts where the safe words all there and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but no, there's no one that I'm dating exclusively. I mean, I don't know where I'm going to be in a year. Am I going to be in Nevada? Am I going to be? I'm pr- pretty sure I'm going to be out of New York. I think I'm done with my time in New York. Really? I, yeah, I kind of uh, want to move uh, move on from here. Well, I don't blame you. But I, but that's that's a shame. I always, whenever somebody they leave New York, I maybe if the Blasio is not the mayor anymore, yeah. I'll stay. <laughs> man, do you think there's any chance that Bo Deedle could get elected or some shit? Oh man, I mean, if he gets the Democratic nomination or or uh, John Katzimatidis, I wouldn't mind him. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, no, but uh, I'm uh, definitely in touch with uh, you know these girls who uh, do, like are, there, the, are there any girls that have curiosity about you? Like you know, they want to see what this is like. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. That's um, see, that kind of works mean, for you, then, a little mojo. The first, yeah, you know, all joking aside, there's this emptiness in my heart. I, I'm, I'm trying to reunite with my daughter, and that's something that I feel every day, and it hurts. It sucks, but that doesn't mean that, I, you know, I'm a 32-year-old single man. That doesn't mean I can't have fun on the side, too. Oh, of course not, yeah. No, um, I mean, I would, yeah. yeah, but so now I've always been a glass-half-full kind of person. Yeah, I'm still, despite everything that happened to me, so it's like, all right, so there has been some good that's come out of this. You know, I know who my real friends are now, the people <laughs> who didn't bail on me, who stuck with me from the first day. You got a great family. Great family. I know who my real friends and family are, and now that all this shit's out there, like there are women who are... And that's something I was afraid of. Okay, so I was acquitted, I was out of prison, but what the hell am I going to do for work? Am I going to be still be seen as an outcast? Are people going to think I'm this, like, uh, sociopath? But it's gone pretty well. I'm working. I have a full-time job again. Um, do you mind if I ask what you do? Yeah, I work. Uh, um, I do site safety for a construction company. Now, I knew the owner of this company from before all this happened, so I had a little bit of a hook. He knew me from, you know, 
before I was a cannibal cop. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, for years, he, he knew me. And we, we went to the same high school from, you know, years apart, but we had that connection. So, so that's great. Now, I didn't know jack shit about construction, but I needed to work. This was part of uh, being under probation. Um, I had to find a job. I was studying to take the, uh, the LSAT. I was interested in going to law school. Uh, the documentary fucked that all up, too. I thought I remember reading that someplace. Yeah, I bombed the LSAT because of the documentary. I, I, I didn't study anymore. I just, I, I completely just shut down. Really? That yeah. movie really bummed you it, out? No, it, it, it was worse than, yeah, so I, again, I, I got out of prison, and it's like, how are people going to receive me? But at least the judge's ruling left no doubt for people who read the ruling, but who is going to sit there and read 118 pages of why I'm this entertaining documentary that tells yeah, me so the whole story. Yeah, so here you have 90 yeah, minutes. That, where, you know, that becomes the definitive. Exactly. Uh, so people are going to watch that, and the director's telling me that this is going to, like her job is to help me clear my name now, now that I've been vindicated. And it just it completely screwed me up, man. It really did. I was dating a girl. I stopped seeing her. That probably cost me It's just like... Oh, dude! I just I I didn't want to be seen anymore. There's a uh, there's a book that's 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 along these lines. I, I can't remember what it's called. Something about Mandy's always really quick with the title of it. Basically, some you know is it's a there's a murderer right or something. There's a, basically a journalist that gets close to somebody and fucks them over like that. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And like by. And and that's the idea I, I, is to make people trust you. You know, you I know, know the, I I I don't know the name of it, but but I, but I know the thing you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, where, and, uh, and and it's something that they sort of like. It's like they, they have a pride in it or something. You know, yeah. It's like that. Hey, that's what we do. That's that's journalism. That's 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 reporting and whatever. I think it sucks, but uh, it's it especially if you're if you're given a certain thing, you know, straightforward like that. You know, uh, and, and it's not just by implication or something. And other than her. I've dealt with a lot of people in the media, and everyone else has been straightforward and honest. I did, uh, I don't know if you saw in the New York Post in September, they did an article about me going on a date with one of these girls. <laughs> um, How did I miss that? Oh, come on. You missed I, that I might, one? I might have missed that one, yeah. Yeah, so uh, this reporter reaches out to me in, in the middle of the summer, like out of nowhere. Now, this is uh, when the book's happening, too, so... Her reaching out to me just worked out perfectly where I was ready to start shopping a book and ready to start reaching out to publishers. So I said they wanted to do a story about my dating life and me moving on and how, you know, she, she said she wanted to do a positive story. You know, like the, all the negative shit's over with. You're vindicated. It's like, what's going on now? Are you dating? Are you able to pick up the pieces of your life? I was like, that's fine, but I'm writing a book and I want the book in there too. Well, yeah. if you, you let me put the book in there and talk about the book, that's fine. We'll do that. So. My co-author comes down from Maine for this. Just I needed someone there to kind of like kick me on, if I start going off paths because I, you, you know how the post can get right. Yeah, get sure. With some stuff, don't so. say the wrong thing. Right. So uh, actually, uh, we met for brunch, and I got uh, I ordered a garden omelet. I didn't want anything with meat in it. <laughs> now I ended up I, I I met the reporter afterwards socially. We we got some drinks after the article came out just to chat. And I told her that, and she was like, "I freaking knew that was a calculated decision." Like she's like she had an idea in her mind too. Yeah. She completely gets everything, so she's cool. Yeah. But she kept her word, so um, it was a little more heavy on the whole dating thing and the joke about me going on a date and all you know all the stupid puns. But mm-hmm. you know the book was in there too. So that's then then that's raw deal, which everybody should read. I'm yeah. You, especially if you're uh, a guy. Also, if you're a woman, and it's a real. Look behind the curtain, that's for sure. Yeah. 
you know, the workings of, of uh, you know, what a, a lot of guys will immediately understand and, and relate to, uh, you know, maybe not to that extent. But every guy has been up all night looking at shit they're not supposed to look at. Uh, it, it happens, you know. And, yeah. and uh, I don't know about girls. I don't know if they do that. Maybe it's different for girls. Do you, do you have this thing? I, I've had a problem trusting women sometimes. Do you have a, a problem trusting women? Not really. Um, you know, the most serious relationship I was ever in was with Kathleen, and we, mm. you know, it, it was good. I mean, we had a good, happy marriage. I try and hang on to the three years of positive memories, despite how everything turned out. I hope at some point we can be cordial for the sake of our daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, it sounds, and the way you describe it, it sounds like you're a great dad. And that you're that you love being a dad. That's yeah, the other part. Yeah, so I probably like uh, bored people to tears at work talking about my daughter and like the you know little things my daughter and I had. She was just a baby, but we had our things together. She was just starting to say data. Yeah, she said data before mama, which we always joked about. But they, they say physiologically, it's easier for a child that age to start saying you know dad 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 first. Yeah, but I definitely uh bragged about that yeah sure. something we laughed about <laughs> kathleen and i those texts between you two uh, it's like just clearly a couple in love too uh, i'm glad you brought that up but i wanted those in the book just because uh because you didn't get to do them in court yeah in court for one thing but um again i want people to reach the right conclusion that i shouldn't have been in prison but i wanted to the portrayal of our relationship really bugged me. It had really nothing to do with the criminal case, but I wanted that. I wanted the truth about what life was like in our home out there. Uh-huh. And I think the text, everyone who's read those text messages reach it. Either. They say like, this was a happy marriage. It's it's the only way you can feel about it. Yeah. It's, it you're and talking about, you know, tickets to the, to the baseball game. Yeah. And, 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 and those plans. text messages are, they go up to September from, they, they go up to, was it late like August thirtieth or something? So that's yeah. like twelve days before all this went down. Yeah, it seems like that would have been good to include, but I guess they they figured that there must be some other shit that a reason not to bring that in. Yeah, the reason was uh, when Kathleen first left and she was kind of questioning me on what I was doing. I said that uh, well, I said at first I didn't use pictures of her mm-hmm. on that dark fetish website, right? But which is a natural thing to say. Yeah, so you know, I, I I didn't want to hurt. She was already hurt. And I didn't want to hurt her anymore. I thought that was a perfectly logical explanation. If I were to go up on the witness stand and explain that, I think that's completely logical. I think it's completely logical, and I think that's exactly why people tell a little lie like that. It's because just like fucking not. Yeah. Let's just not. You know, no. It, it's it's impulsive. It's an, it's instinctive. It's of course it's what you're gonna say. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anybody understands that. And so you didn't want to like get caught up in the whole in that. Well, my I was okay with it. My lawyers didn't want to use them. Um, because it, because that lie would because make you that not lie, have credibility. Yeah, I think so. But even if we wanted to use them, I don't think the government would have wanted to use them. Just because there's so much good, you see what a good relationship we had. I don't think there's any way Kathleen or the government would have wanted those text messages in trial. Do they have? Do they have some sort of? Uh, they would they would be able to stop you from presenting that? As yeah, a, because of spousal privileges, both me and Kathleen both had to agree. Oh, wow. If we were going to use our communications in a, in a criminal case. So I don't think she would have agreed to it. I, uh, no, that makes sense. From the but story. It, it's she, nice that you got them in the book, though. Yeah, that was just me personally. I wanted to get that out there because I was so pissed off with how I was portrayed as a husband and a father. Yeah. Um, and that hurts you as a man. You know, as a man, you want to provide for your family. And I did everything I was supposed to do as a husband and a father. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we were able to... 
She stayed home? She stayed home. She was a stay-at-home mom. That's what we wanted. We thought it was best for a baby. I was making enough money where I could pay her bills and everything. I was doing everything. I did all the shopping, you know? Yeah. You were and a good I, cop, I, yeah, a and good I was, husband, a good and I was, father. Yeah, I was happy to do all that stuff. I said, this is what a man's supposed to do. You know, a man's supposed to provide, and I, I did just that. And then all this stuff just because you took a few hours for yourself. <laughs> well, uh, if yeah. you have one regret... Not that you should, but if you do, what would it be? I guess that I never found it in me to talk to Kathleen about uh, some of the stuff I was into sexually. I don't think I ever would have gone completely, gone completely, you know, come completely clean. But um, it just there was a secret there that I was keeping, mm. and. Um, if I was a little more open about it, maybe things would have played out differently. Man, I think that is a really, that's a really insightful, you know. Yeah, but that's tough. It, it's tough to, I don't think I ever would have told her. If if we were still married today, I don't think I ever would have told her. I was going to go through life without telling anyone about this shit. Nobody. I mean, but now it's already out there, so everybody knows. So now people that I meet, they fully are aware I think it's the number one problem in relationships. People don't speak their needs. Yeah, mine are out there, not by choice, <laughs> but they're out there now. You don't have so, to speak them. Yeah, so you so something kind of funny I was talking about when I like dating again. You know, at what point do I tell a girl about all this stuff? Yeah. And I was getting answers like, you should tell her right away. You should tell her like the third date. Wait till you fall in love and then tell her. So now I kind of just seek out. If there's an opportunity there with someone who already knows everything, just so I don't have to like drop this bomb on them, like, what yeah. the hell do I tell someone about my past? Yeah, I mean, or you know, you just never tell them, and then when they find out, you go, "I told you all that." Yeah, I don't think that would fly. <laughs> but uh, so it seems like there are enough people out there that get it. Number one, and even people who are kind of into the whole thing too. Yeah, uh, tons of people are going to be into that. I think that you got a. I think you got a big. Uh, career of uh banging chicks <laughs> ahead of you uh, we'll see that's a, you know I, I i never wanted to be portrayed as this like folk hero or this fetish king or anything like that i just wanted there's serious issues in this case that apply to everybody in society and i think a lot of that got lost because of the lurid nature of the case all this sexual shit yeah but the serious aspect yeah something the serious thing is that someone like at what point does a, you mentioned Google searches before? At what point if the police show up? Can they use those against you? You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So it's scary. Related to anything that you do, and and just after you were, uh, you know, I mean, doing your court thing, three guys convicted. Yeah. Now those guys did some shit that was a little different, but I couldn't see. I mean, it was weird. There were differences, and I know. You probably know him better than I do. You know who I'm talking about? You know, yeah, I, I do, but I never really look deeply into those cases. Ash, you know. uh, Meltz, and, uh, and, and and the mechanic. Yeah. And now the judge is looking back into the, one of the guy's cases to see if maybe... That know. guy That guy is in my shoes. Now, he's he's got the paperwork in, and the, the same judge is going to make a ruling. It's been a long time now. He's been there longer than I have. Yeah. Uh, but... Uh, yeah. Another guy pled guilty, which I would never do. He pled guilty, and I think he did it so he'd get the 10 years. Yeah, I guess he was afraid of... Again, I didn't, never spoke to the guy. They but must have it, told him, listen... Also, don't forget, like these involve stings also. The FBI actually did sting operations, which yeah. they didn't do with me. I wish to God they would have. 
Because they would have come up nothing. Yeah. And and the the sting operation, though, it sounds like all the guy did was buy a stun gun. And basically, it still amounts to they just were talking. Yeah. But it was enough for them to be convicted of conspiracy, and they were talking. So be careful who you're talking to. Yeah. And uh, don't talk to any fucking uh, FBI agents if you're... Uh, you know, playing a, a fantasy game about kidnapping and murdering somebody's wife. Yeah. I think that was, th- there were probably a lot of differences. I mean, this is three guys who actually got together and stuff like that. But still, you know, to see it, that's how it could work, you know. And mm-hmm. it could, you could have been put away. You could have very easily been put away for, for nothing. Rest my, yeah, for the rest of my, you know, I think the easy thing for this judge to do would have been to either just leave the verdict there or give me a new trial. Mm-hmm. But he went, I mean, just thank God he had the wisdom and the courage because, you know, a federal judge just doesn't swoop down from the heavens. He's a man, too. They're men and women. They're human beings. They have their own thoughts. So he had to be thinking, what if I acquit this guy and he goes out and kidnaps and murders a girl? It's going to be on my hands. Yeah. I think but he, he could look at you and see that's that guy's worth saving. Um, I mean, after being he, a trial again, like, I rarely spoke, so he didn't get the chance to see me or really hear, hear me speak. But um, hmm. when we were assigned that judge... The first thing Julius said was like he's he's right down the middle and he's a man of of the law. He's going to stick to the law, and that's exactly what he did in acquitting me. The, the law said there was no conspiracy here. The law is a, a beautiful thing, still. I when guess. It, yeah, when it works out, but there's still there's a lot of problems. We mentioned the prosecutorial misconduct early on, not just in my case, but across the country. And if I mean these people need to, there need to be ramifications. If, do, you, do you ever think that maybe that could be a career for you? Yeah, again, I was thinking about... Uh, or a, a uh, calling, even, you know? Yeah, I, I was feeling that being somehow involved in criminal defense would be a calling for me. Um, that's not completely out of the question still. I'm still kind of young, but uh, I'd have oh, to do... are you? You're 33? 32. 32. Wow. I, yeah. So um, I, I don't think the, the door is completely shut on that. It's just... There's so much going on right now, you know. Um, yeah, you get your hands full. Yeah, please. yeah, you're you're kind of spread out all across the country. That's overwhelming. I mean, let's. I got a lawsuit against the feds, a lawsuit against the city for back pay. <laughs> I got my family court case going on. I got this book coming out on top of a full time job. And you're seeing four checks. Yeah, you know, uh, you're well, talking <laughs> with four ladies. Uh, you uh, and could you have been a cop again? Because you were completely exonerated. I've been, yeah, completely exonerated. I don't know what they would do as far as, like, uh, am I psychologically fit? Uh, I'm not yeah. sure, uh, but, but I have paperwork. You passed every test with flying colors. I did, yeah. And there's not, it, I worked in Harlem, there's no, not one civilian complaint against me, which is, like, unheard of. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, and you were fit to begin with. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you've you cleared every bar. Yeah, no, I'm proud of my time as a cop. I was a, I was a damn good cop, and I was well-respected, and people, like, I still keep in touch with some of the guys, and they, they, they want me back. They wish I would come back. Yeah. It's too bad the fucking union let you down. Oh, my God, those people pissed me off. Now, my dad, we talked about my family not being honest with me. My dad told me just recently that the day I was arrested, he went to the to 26th Precinct where I used to work. Uh and the delegate there just basically kicked them out and said we were not we were not going to help. <laughs> Do you believe that? My dad didn't know where else to go. Jesus, yeah, that's, there's so your innocent went, until proven guilty. Yeah, right? exactly. And then my lawyers went there twice, and they they kicked the lawyers out. They didn't want to talk to the lawyers. Now, of course, everyone's like, "Oh, we had your back from day one." It's like that's such bullshit. No, you didn't. I would have yeah. known if you did. Exactly. My back wasn't had. And forget I mean, they have rules where you can't talk to people in prison or any of that, but. 
My family was like left in the dark. You know, they could have reached out to my family. They could have done a lot more than they did. A union rep, I mean. And and, and, and speaking of the union, you know, I have I did this paperwork against the city by myself because they didn't have the balls to back me. Still, they're like, yeah, we, uh, you know, we think you didn't do anything wrong, but we're not going to represent you. I don't think people just want to be associated with me. How the fuck did they say that? Well, technically, I'm not in the union anymore because I was fired. Even though I shouldn't have been fired, right now I'm, I'm still fired, so I'm not in the union anymore. What were you fired for? Just being I, arrested? No, I was fired for uh, after not I was showing up. No, I, because I was convicted. I, after I was convicted, they fired me. And then when that gets turned over, you don't get no, fired. No, no, you don't just you, you don't get unfired. You have to put paperwork in. You have to ask, you know, apply for reinstatement. Kind of wrongful termination, you know? Yeah, something like that, but I couldn't find a lawyer from a union or anywhere else with the balls to represent me, so I had to do it myself.